Welcome to Community Coded, the ultimate podcast series for founders, VCs, and builders who master the art of community building. This podcast is brought to you by Threado, a community management platform that lets you drive more engagement, identify brand champions, and scale a thriving community with automated workflows and personalized messages. We're so proud to say that we serve fast-growing community-led startups like Notion, Mixpanel, Triple Whale, and more. What are you waiting for? Hit threader.com and up your community game. Now, let's talk about this podcast. Join us as we dive deep into the world of community building with some of the biggest names in the industry. Let's decode what it takes to build a thriving community. Howdy, folks. Welcome to yet another episode of Community Decoded Podcast. I'm your host, Sharath. Oh, man, where do I start about this particular guest? Uh, I've been introduced by my uh, my co-founder Pramod uh, a little while ago, and we figured out the date, and here we are today recording the episode. I can't wait to unpack a lot of uh, a lot of her experience in community building. As a matter of fact, thirteen plus years of experience. So, without further ado, Monica, welcome to the show. How are you feeling today? Hey, hey, Sharath, I'm feeling really good. You make it easy to feel happy and comfortable in this very unique podcast environment. I was telling you that I don't do these often. So thank you for being uh, such a nice host. No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's my job. I want to like, you know, make you feel as comfortable and as authentic as possible. That's the key. And before we dive into the episode, I do have like a bunch of questions, of course, of course. Right. But uh, let me introduce Monica to folks who don't know about her. Monica is a global community leader. I can stress how much of an impact she made in her 13 years of experience working in tech at high growth uh, startups like Canva, Yelp, Pixel. We, you know, we, can, we can talk about that, like the acquisition and everything. But uh, she's fundamentally, she's a big believer in community-led growth. And you know she helped write Yelp's book on uh, how to seed, grow, community engagement, uh, and whatnot. So uh, she also, I think, co- founder of community hack like like that's like a like a community thing with Pramod, right so uh that's amazing uh monica like you i can go on and on about you but right off the bat i i, I do ask this question with every community builder community leader that comes to our podcast which is how did you fall in love with community where was where was what when was the love in first sight uh it was with a shot of tequila that's the honest truth. <laughs> um, I was working an event in Philadelphia as a, I was working for a liquor company and it was an event that I was asked to sponsor. And uh, lo and I'll give you the short version, but uh, this event ended up being a Yelp event. Uh, and mm -hmm. this woman comes up to my table and I had a, a line of people waiting to drink tequila because that's what mm. I was serving but I did I ran out of cups and so being the creative problem solver that I pride myself in being I said who needs cups when you could just pour the tequila directly in their mouths so <laughs> this line of people uh just it became like the most fun at the event I just went down the line and I poured individual tequila shots directly into the people's mouths and oh, um God. the the woman who was there 
uh, we just hit it off right away. And she said, you know, I need to get your information, whatever. We, we, we kind of stayed in touch, but shortly thereafter, I saw a position for Yelp, uh, community manager in Philadelphia. And I was like, is this, this is the Yelp that I just sponsored that event. I applied, I have a conversation with, um, the hiring manager who ends up being one of the women that was in the line that I poured the tequila shot directly into her mouth. Um, Miriam wow. continues to be a dear friend to this day. And uh, that that's where the story began in 2009, Philadelphia. Um, yeah. That's awesome. So I thought you were, you were kind of like making a joke or something, but it is literally liquor driven. <laughs> it, it is literally liquor driven. Yeah. And um, to me, community was always a party. Like that was the mm. origin of community. Um, I was really big into hosting events. My, I grew up in a household where my parents held weekend parties with their crazy friends from France mm -hmm. and Cuba and Argentina. We lived, we, I grew up in Miami. And so for me, hosting and making sure people were feeling like connected and together and having a good time um, just felt very organic to my upbringing. And right. so community for me has always been like, this gathering of people and facilitating a fantastic experience, mm -hmm. making sure that people feel um, like they can be themselves, like they can mm. fully indulge in whatever experience they're about to have. Mm. And uh, when I understood that in community management, there's a job to do this, sure. I was like, well, what a perfect fit. Mm. <laughs> and so this is this is my follow-up question i was like kind of uh, dwelling in my head while you're answering 20, 2009 is like way long it's it's you know it's it's when i think i don't think community is a word or a, or a department by itself i mean even till today it's not it, it has its own very less people less, less founders gave the opportunity for community builders to build their own team and whatnot how did you navigate that? Like, how, it, it, with the who who did you help? Like, you know, uh, pitch the idea, or how did you get into Yelp uh, after the the whole tequila sequence? Was it <laughs> was it very the... was it very natural, or did you push that you showed some stats, or like how did that happen? Yeah, the I think that in two thousand nine, um, Yelp if. It's a bold statement, but I think that Yelp was the only company that was hiring for this role of community manager. It was actually a role. I found it on Craigslist. Um, mm. And this is at a time when you could apply for jobs. Like people took it seriously. Like you could find right. a job on Craigslist, which is really wild. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it was one of the only jobs I'd seen out there for community manager. And that's true for many years, even after 2009. Like, it didn't really start to pick up until, gosh, I don't want to say the, the year because I'm not really sure, but it did feel like there were several years before I started to see more, um, more roles for community manager. Um, mm. But it, it felt at the time that it blended PR, mm. um, communications, event planning, just general marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, it blended all of these roles that would ultimately have just a single person into one. So it was like this catch-all role 
where you became the Swiss army knife of the company. And that was very much the case for Yelp. And I think what makes community managers that come out of uh, Yelp are so, so strong because they're trained on all of these different facets of, I guess, marketing. Um, so they're, they just know how to do it all. And the, the, what, the way that this role has evolved over time is it's a bit less of that um, Swiss army knife and a bit more specialized. So you'll have people that are extremely talented at like digital marketing and community um, content creation and community, uh, you know, the event planning and community, but it's, it's kind of rare to have this catch all persona in this one community manager role. So yeah, that's, I really like that analogy. I feel, uh, very few people, few people can understand, especially for those who are just getting started. They, I mean, the community, community managers or people who are getting into startups and want to bring people together. It's very limited, right? Like you can only do so much as of now. I mean, as long as if you're not part of like, you know, uh, if you're part of like a big organization, you have very limited, like these, these are the roles you need to do. But for people like you who are veterans, David Spinks, you like Richard Millington, like these folks, they've, they've been in the community for so long, Erica Cole, like, you know, you did everything <laughs> pretty much like, you know, starting from, like you said, when planning to uh, comms and whatnot, how did you keep up with everything when you do, especially when, a, when an organization like Yelp, it's not like early stage mm -hmm. and it's fully community driven. It's always about people. Uh, of course, there are like two sets, the restaurant side and the, the consumer side. So how did you, like what was your first initiative or the first you know experience being a community manager yeah so the i this is a great question i find that there are so many um competing priorities that it takes quite a lot of discipline uh whether conscious discipline or not to say i'm gonna just do this thing so I don't think I realized this was how I approached it, but now that I think about it, this is how I approached it. At the <laughs> time, I looked for the, the most immediate problem. And the most immediate problem at, you know, back when I joined Yelp in 2009 was we need to find really cool places to host events, because if we can find really cool places to host events, more people will want to attend those events. And if we can get more people to attend events, then more people will learn about Yelp in a way that feels like very cool, local, organic, um, and in line with the type of community really that we're trying to build. So I could have gone out and said, I'm gonna focus on um, connecting with every journalist and trying to get press hits for Yelp. Uh, you know, I'm gonna, um, sponsor some local events and, and show up at those events. I ended up doing those things. But in terms of like where I started, I said, okay, I need to start by making a name for Yelp. And the best way I know how to do that is through parties. So I'm going to, because I was working in the liquor industry at the time, I had relationships with um, mm. every bar and restaurant across Philadelphia. So 
it was fairly turnkey for me to go and have those conversations and pitch the idea of Yelp and what it brought to the community and what it brought for their business and convince enough of these like, quote unquote, cool um, bars and restaurants, new bars and restaurants that people would have a hard time getting into otherwise to now mm -hmm. say, OK, yeah, we'll do this Yelp event. And then it was pretty easy to promote it. I started with my own friend network and it was really um, clever because Yelp and still to this day, I think this is the case where you would bring a plus one. So I invited all of the elites. These are the, you know, the, the heavy, the top users for Canva in a, in a market. Mm -hmm. Did I say Canva? I meant Yelp. I don't know what I said. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah okay. Sometimes I intermix the two. So, um, yeah, you started that way. And before long, actually like the first event, all these people attended, um, they just loved the vibe and then the mm -hmm. events grew from there to the extent where um, when I when I left Yelp, I hosted an event for 4,000 people. Um, mm. And that was like the pinnacle of my career. I was like, oh, I guess I don't know what else you do from here. I guess I'll just find a new job. So <laughs> it was a it was a really cool way, I think, to prioritize what's the most important thing you can do that by doing it, it makes everything else easy. There's a book around this. It's called The One Thing. So. It's a, yeah, it's a yeah, yeah, yeah. I would definitely like include that in the show notes. So uh, you directly jumped into from 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 the liquor experience, wherever it you know you you know worked before. You directly jumped into this startup world, right? You, I think I saw in on your LinkedIn as well. There is no uh, bridge, just like you know, right into the fire. And one question I want to ask you is that. Yelp is predominantly in person, right? Like you have sure. to be, you know, face to face, you have to meet people, you have to like, you know, do that grunt work, hustle. What, what, what is that? How much is the, of your experience being in person helped? Right now, it's all techno, it's all online. Everybody's like, you know, scattered. You and I, we're li living in thousands of miles away and but we were still connecting, right? Yeah. How much of this fascinates you and how much of your previous experience doing that one-on-one -on -one connections helped you uh, build online connections right now at Canva? Yeah. So I really, I, I'm a huge believer in the in-person connection. I think um, you're right. Like everything has moved online now with the few exceptions of in-person activations. So mm -hmm. at Canva today, this is a rough approximation, but probably 85, 80% of our efforts across the community team are largely online mm -hmm. with the remaining percentage, you know, around in-person um, activations. And those in-person activations vary. They could be uh, popping up at a conference or an event, um, hosting our own event, small meetups for our top community members. So, so these types of things exist, but you're right. Like everything has predominantly moved online. And I think it's it's a natural evolution of community and the times. I, I, I believe that we're becoming a lot more international with mm. how communities are operating. So even mm. in the case of Canva, like it's not so much about a local community building, even though you do have mm. local communities being built. Um, mm. With Yelp, it was extremely local. It was all about how how deeply can, can you penetrate a market? 
and uh, the leadership at Yelp at the time, I, this saying has always stuck with me, um, would say we would go uh, an inch wide and a mile deep. And this was very much mm. the approach that Yelp would take when moving into a new market or launching a new market. It was to ensure that we weren't just going a mile wide and an inch deep, which would lead to a very superficial uh, presence in a, in a market, but rather through community, we were able to forge those relationships with key business owners and, and local Yelpers. Now with Canva, it's, it's really interesting because, I mean, there's so many people around the world that are using it. It's in over a hundred languages. Right. Just by nature of Canva, everything is incredibly international and multilingual. Mm. And I, it's thanks to the fact that things have shifted predominantly online that make successful community building possible at a company like Yelp, uh, sorry, Canva, because mm. you're now able to, we have conversations with community members uh, in Thai, in Portuguese, in German, in French, in Japanese, in English, and all of these community members are coexisting on a platform for us. And that's right. mind blowing. I would have never thought that a Japanese community member would be like chatting back and forth with somebody in Brazil, the Brazilian speaking Portuguese, the Japanese person speaking Japanese. It's just, it's, it's pretty bonkers in my yeah. opinion. I couldn't have predicted this, but that's where I see community beginning to grow is more international, um, which is organically where my career began to lean uh, in about 2012. Um, I started moving more into the international focus. I lived abroad uh, for Yelp and, mm -hmm. and that's where I began to take an interest in this community building across different cultures and different languages. How do you do that? And mm -hmm. so I kind of figured it out um, along the way with a lot of trial and error, but I think, uh, I think we're in a good place now where we're able to effectively run a community across time zones and languages. But that's what the beauty is, right? Like, uh, without like moving an inch, you can create impact. Uh, without like, you know, sweating anything, you can like really like touch other people's life or make them connect with each other. I think that's the beauty of online or, or the internet, right? Like you basically, it's all about the intention that you really have to put effort in, not like anything physical. Uh, we, we, I want to definitely un, uh, come back to Canva's story, but one thing I want to also mention is that in less than uh, probably like close to three years, you rapidly grew from being a community manager to managing people, right? In at least in Yelp. Uh, talk to me about that rapid growth and what's the difference between being a community manager and being a manager to other community, you know, folks. Yeah. So for me, it was, it, it wasn't a vision that I had for myself, to be honest. I was extremely excited about, um, being that, that launcher person getting mm -hmm. into a mark, like parachuting into a market, figuring out the local nuances, applying the strategies that I felt would work, connecting people. This, it just gave me a lot of energy and I, and I mm -hmm. loved it. Um, and something clicked for me along the way where I want, I started to want to share more of 
the learnings that I would have and mentor others that were looking to figure it out, um, coming to me for advice or coming to me for uh, just, you know, what are my initial thoughts on their ideas? And yeah, it just sort of happened, to be honest. I never, I never set out to go on this like coaching path, but um, mm. beyond community, it's, it's funny because I have friends that call me regularly and run me through their issues at work or mm. their life problems. And I'm, I don't know what I'm exuding to others, but I just am this, uh, I'm this haven of information that they're, I don't know. And I kind of make it up. It's just, it's kind of what occurs to me, but um, I think that I inspire trust in others. Mm. And I always am aware of how I can support them as opposed to supporting myself. And so I, I often think I'm like the best thing for a company, but also maybe the worst thing for a company because I put the, per the person that I'm coaching in first position. And sometimes I put the company in second position, but it ends up working out in the long run because right. if I do it like that, I find that they are more engaged in what they're working on. And then that benefits the company in the end. But I, I'm, I really pride myself in, in taking care of my people, taking care of my team. I think mm. if, you, if you do that and you live with those philosophies, then the rest kind of takes care of itself. Um, they say people don't leave uh, companies, they leave managers, right? right. And right. <laughs> um, I can't think of a person that's, that's left me uh, personally, but uh, I'm sure it's yeah. happened. But anyway, I think uh, the, the coaching path for me has just been a natural evolution of yeah, working with others and helping give them good tips. And as a as a as a leader managing a bunch of community managers, uh, what advice do you give for people like people are who are all also on the same shoes? How do people build community teams? I think this fairly applies to founders too, because founders themselves are community builders sometimes. So for founders who are building community teams as well as a head of community or director of community like at that position so i'm kind of like selfishly asking for myself <laughs> uh what advice do you give for people like us ah uh, let's see okay so it depends on the on the area that we're trying to unpack however just generally i was in a a call about an hour ago with a few of the leaders, people in leadership at Canva and mm. uh, Andrew Green, who works at our company, said something really, really amazing that stuck with me. I even wrote it down. He said, um, be patient with aptitude, not with attitude, which is basically if somebody's got an attitude that is not part of, let's say, growth mindset or um, open to learning um, you know, the, the types of characteristics that are really important for a community manager to have, that's kind of a non-negotiable. However, if it's upskilling, um, if it's experience in the role that is missing, but there is a desire and a curiosity for that individual to, to learn those things, um, that's where patience is amazing. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and giving that person the benefit of that patience is not often something that we do. We tend to maybe dismiss a person because they might not be as good as somebody else. Um, mm. So we have this like inherent bias sometimes that 
that we're applying to things. Uh, so I, I think that it's important to be mindful of each person is on a different path. Each person has a different amount of experience and expertise, and it's knowing how to work with those people when you're developing large teams um, to understand what motivates them, where do they want to grow, uh, and then how can you align their ambition for growth to what the company is trying to achieve? And how do you harness that energy towards the right areas, areas of focus? Um, and then generally, I think what something I often see happen a lot is shifting priorities. And I, I've seen people get a bit um, just frustrated, really. Like if you're mm. told to do this one day and then suddenly it shifts the next day and you have to pivot that quickly, it can be... Um, it can be discombobulating, right, for the person. So I think it's, as a founder, having the discipline to work with your team in a way that your vision is clear, what you're asking of your team is super clear. Because often when it's not clear and when the vision isn't clear from the top or the mission isn't clear from the top, it can get very diluted as it mm -hmm. extends to the team members. And in that case, it's not really fair if they're not excelling. Um, so, yeah, I think it's that vision and communicating it in a way that uh, is is tangible and it makes sense. And then they can build their goals and their their tasks on top of that. I love that. I think patience is the name of the game. You know, uh, whether you're building a team of community builders or actually building a community itself, it takes freaking long time. So you just have to be like. You know, that's something uh, I learned a lot from people like you. And you kind of remind me again that, you know what, take a step back when things go not your way. You know, it'll, you'll, you'll figure it out eventually. Uh, same applies to like, you know, building community teams. You have to really find the right person, you know, that yeah. aligns to the values. And like you said, the philosophy carry. Uh, Attitude goes a long way. I, I think it's... Um, it comes along with energy, you know, like what is the energy that somebody brings to their role, to their life, to their interests? Uh, you can generally tell when somebody is operating from a place of like energy and passion or mm. um, yeah, and, and that can feel more productive as opposed to the, the opposite, which is um, maybe being more closed, less trusting less curious, you know, these, these things over time make it hard for, um, it, it makes it hard to be in the mindset of building something and, and exuding because ultimately in community, you're, you're taking your energy and you're transferring it to others, a lot right. of people, right. And right. if you cannot, if you don't have that, um, ability to sort of exude the energy that naturally makes people want to be involved and be around you or, um, participate in what you're, what you're promoting, uh, well then, yeah, then it can be a little bit dull for that person and the attendance might not be so great. Right. And talk, talk to me about the human side of a community builder. You just said that you have to exhibit the energy levels and you're kind of like transforming yours to others and vice versa, like seek, uh, Every day is definitely not like a sunny day, like a bright, full sunny day. Sometimes you yeah. feel like uh, you feel low, you feel like blue and all that. And as a, as a human being, what are your, do you have like a methods to cope up 
um, do you rely on you know friends like family like what's what's your uh, secret sauce my secret sauce is uh, I talk a lot about it I talk about my feelings all the time uh, mm. and I, I I have found that by talking about my feelings and sharing them with others in a really sort of light and you know I, I will easily say to a colleague of mine, like, I'm not feeling great today. Like I'm feeling a little bit down. And I find that actually when I talk about it, uh, I begin to feel better about it. It's kind of, uh, <laughs> it's kind of interesting how that happens, but, um, I, I, I work with a coach outside of Canva who's been extremely helpful for me and my mental health. Uh, I highly recommend it. If you have the opportunity to work with a coach, um, do it. And she she's helped me with something called our inarguables. And the inarguables are our thoughts and our feelings. So mm. it's basically that if I tell you I'm feeling blue, I'm feeling like today's just not my day, you're probably not gonna argue back with me and say, you're not feeling blue, today is your day. You're gonna go out and get it done. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's just, right. So these inarguables are really what protect us. And like, we, it's, it's, if we use them to express ourselves, which mm. takes a bit of courage because it's never easy to talk about how you're feeling or um, mm. maybe even what you're thinking to somebody else. But um, yeah, the, in, in one word, it's communication. I think mm. if we can communicate better with each other, um, with our family, with our peers, it tends to bring whatever we're feeling to the surface in a way that we can manage it, look at it, assess it, right. maybe embrace it. Cause I think that's the other part. The other thing I talk about with my coach is she's like, can you accept the part of yourself that maybe has a bit mm. of fear or maybe feel scared about this? And sometimes I'm like, no, I cannot accept that part of myself. <laughs> I want to feel strong and like, I can do mm -hmm. this. Um, but it's, it's a work in progress. We're all works in progress. Absolutely. I love, I love, I love these answers. I think it's so meta in a way that uh, it applies to everybody, right? Like who works at, in, in a fast pacing, high growth environment, we have to always, you know, take a step back and think about our mental health. And, you know, I, I, I like the way you put the inarguables, you have to give an opportunity to express that or else, you know, it'll stay within you and you'll some, at some point you'll burn out and it'll burst outside. Uh, and I really appreciate, you know, for, you know, you sharing all these, you know, this is definitely not the, the, the conversation expected, but I love it. I love it so much because it's, it's coming authentically. Let's go back a little bit between your experience working at Yelp and Pixels, right? Like, how did that jump happen? Because Yelp is more on the restaurant side. It's more on, like you said, it's hospitality and, you know, that mm -hmm. part. And suddenly you've, you've kind of entered into a creator space, which is stock photos and like, you know, the other side photography and the art piece of it. So what is like the transition? How did, how did that happen and what motivated you make a move? Yeah, so I was living in... Uh, Rio de Janeiro at the time that I, I was with Yelp for seven and a half years. And I just, I felt like my, my career had run its course at Yelp. Like mm, mm. 
this has been really fantastic. I look back on it with such fondness, but it just felt like it was over for me and I was ready for something else. But I also knew that I wanted to stay in Brazil and I Wait, took a uh, quick, quick, quick uh, follow up there. How do you know that? Like, I, I, so this, this thing happened with me quite a long time. Like, you know, when, when I interview people like you who've moved quite a big jumps, they all say like similar thing. Like, you know, we exhausted ourselves or we, we saw like we peaked at that point and we, we need some, something new challenging or something that's, you know, refreshing. How the hell you know that? Like, where is like that tipping point? What was oh, when the job starts to feel a little bit boring and redundant? That was for mm -hmm. me what you know, it, I just wasn't waking up and feeling like excited, and it just it felt like I was almost creating work for myself or creating relevance. And, um, yeah, it just felt like a stretch. Like, I'm at, I'm at the point now where I'm stretching my time here, and it wasn't. I, I didn't want to move back to the U.S. at the time. Mm -hmm. I was really happy where I was. And I had pretty much hit the ceiling. And, you know, I, I was so fortunate to work closely with Miriam. Um, Miriam Warren, she's uh, now, she's still with Yelp. She's in an amazing role as a chief diversity and inclusion officer there. Um, and she also started as a community manager. So she's an amazing mm -hmm. story. Uh, but she was and is to this day a, a, an amazing mentor. And she, we just had an honest conversation. She's like, yeah, I mean, maybe it's time. And I was like, I think it's time. And I cried. It, just, it felt like a really sad breakup um, right. because, you know, we both sort of agreed like, yeah, this is, this is it. And I think that that would be beautiful if that happened more often, you know, sometimes that now you read about the culture of like quiet quitting and all this stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's fine. That's totally fine. But if, if you feel something has run its course, it's actually a beautiful thing to reflect, reflect upon it and embrace it for everything mm -hmm. that it brought you and provided you for those years and then find something else where you can continue to learn and to grow. Um, and so for me at the time, I, I felt like I wanted to do something serious. Like I wanted, I had this like chip on my shoulder that I never got like an MBA and I was like, I should get an MBA. Mm. But then I was like, I believe in, um, like firsthand experience. So the way I'll get an MBA is by joining a mm -hmm. startup yeah. and going into operations. So right. for a year, um, this company hired me as the vice president of operations for Latin America. Hmm. And I, I remember I called my mom and I was like, can you believe I'm now the vice president of operations for this cool startup? And hmm. I was like, you know, you don't need your MBA to get jobs like this. So anyway, I did this role for a little over a year. I had a phenomenal team that I got to work with. But then I was like, you know, towards the end, I realized like, okay, actually, I really miss community. Operations is for somebody else. Community <laughs> is for me. So I, um, I, I, I honestly got a little bit desperate towards the end. I was like, I need, I need to go back to community. And mm -hmm. so I went on AngelList, and AngelList was then like the the Craigslist of you know whatever oh, 2017. Yeah, yeah. 
And I found this role for a community manager. Um, I think the salary was really like $35,000, you know, is really small, like really low, but I was open to it. I was like, it's okay. Like I'm, I'm open to talking to this Pexels company. I'm not sure what uh, they do, but sounds creative and it's worth having a conversation. So I applied for this role and I had a call with um, the COO and I just thought he was lovely. Like we just got along. I ended up getting on a call at five o'clock in the morning. I was in Miami at a conference for the com an internal conference for the company I was working at. And mm. uh, I was just so looking to get back into community that I was like, I'll wake up at five and I'll do this call and we'll see how it right. goes. The call went great. And I ended up accepting the role and I thought I'll do this for, three months while I figure it out and I'll figure out what I want to do next. Um, this will be a nice thing to like tide me over and get me back into community. And, uh, and then gosh, many years went by <laughs> like three months. turned into, Yeah. Three months turned into three and a half years. Um, and I started the community from zero at, at Pexels and it was one of the most, fun roles that I've, that I've had. Like I started off as the individual contributor on the individual contributor path, um, trying to figure out how do I grow a community of photographers when I myself am not a photographer, mm. um, and managed. And then I had this like one key goal to, I, I looked for the biggest, um, competitor that we had. Cause I like a little bit of competition. Mm. Um, it's my, it's the old athlete in me that's coming up. So <laughs> I look for this competitor and I was like, how many photos do they have? How many community members do they have that are submitting photos? And how, once I understood their metrics, that became my North star. Like I want to beat the competition. Then I made it really clear and almost like a joke at the company, like we're going to beat this competitor mm. and this is the number we're going for. And so I got like the whole team rallying around this, like, yep. Let's do it. Let's do whatever it takes to get there. And um, uh, and my favorite part was when I was leaving. Uh, it's not leaving. I did leave Pexels, but by that point, Pexels had been acquired by Canva. So what mm. was super cool is one year after I joined Pexels, Canva ended up acquiring Pexels. And what was told to me, whether or not this is true, I don't know, but this is my story. What was told to me is that part of the reason Canva decided to acquire Pexels was because of the amazing community that mm. Pexels had built. Wow. And, and, and truly so, like we, we started Pexels in a way that uh, there wasn't a lot of content. It didn't have a lot of soul or it didn't have a lot of artistry. And I worked very closely with our lead curator to identify what is the style of imagery that we want to be bringing into Pexels. We want it mm. to be very diverse. We want it to feel super inclusive. We want it to have international flavor and representation. And we want to like change this norm of stock photography being the white girl eating the salad while laughing. Right. Um, so, so then we set out to do that. And I started working with a lot of um, niche photographers that I thought were really cool at what they were uh, shooting. And... Mm. And then we got a bunch of press hits about how we were on this quest to diversify the stock photography industry. 
and it mm. became our signature and it became this thing that everyone at Pexels uh, from the team that was already there to the people that were being hired was attracted to the, to the product because of our stance on diversity and inclusion um, and representation. So that's a long story. I don't even know what the original question was, but I hope this is helpful. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it makes a lot of sense. So I just wrote a couple of points, which I want to like, uh, just want to highlight from your answer. One is, uh, I think what you said is absolutely true. There is a beauty in letting go, mm. in intentionally letting go, right? Because uh, it's not forced and you kind of, when you look right now and you're looking back, it's a, it's a beautiful paint, a picture you painted at Yelp. Yeah. And you left on your own terms, right? That's, that's the beauty of it. So I love that. Number two is, uh, you're also very self-aware. I want to, I want to highlight that too, which is you, you, you're true on that, on the first hand experience, but you, you tried it, right? Like you, you give it a shot operations, is not a thing. And it should be like, you know, people should be self-aware of what they're doing, you know? So I, I want to highlight that. And the whole serendipity of you joining Pexels and Pexels getting acquired by Canva, the three months is still like going on, figuring out what you want to do. Uh, I love that. And uh, just want to highlight that. And I feel like one of the questions I have for you, the follow-up questions, which I think a lot of people struggle and kind of you achieved it. When you're building a community and the persona is not you, in, in this case, you're not a photographer, probably, you know, for Pexels. A, how do you, how do you even envision that community? How do you attract people? Like like-minded folks is, is, is what community all about, right? Like there should be a commonality between you and the community. Given that you, there is no commonality, but there is an appreciation probably for photography is probably the only thing. How the hell did you like actually like had that vision of building this uh, community at Pexels? Yeah, it's so funny because I actually asked this in an interview yesterday to a candidate that um, is not a designer, but okay. would be attracting designers. So how would you go about relating right. to this audience when you don't identify? Right. Um, my answer is find your proxies. So, and, and that was something that I did. This is basically find your proxies, find your ambassadors, right? Like mm. in community building the, the snowflake model of having an, a team of ambassadors around you to sort of help extend that network effect is mm. super critical. And that's where to this day, I mean, this is like early, early years strategy. This is a strategy that never gets old. Um, if you have a strong network of bought in um, brand aligned ambassadors that are that persona, they become your biggest ally and they mm. will help you extend in further into the community that you're looking to nourish. So mm. yeah, find your proxies, find your ambassadors and then, and take care of them. Make sure that they feel the love, they feel included, um, They'll be, yeah, they'll be your strongest advocates. Uh, I think it's it's the perfect segue to talk about uh, ambassador programs and how you built over the years. Uh, if you can, not a general advice, but the mistakes people make, community builders make when they build this program 
in how to build like sustainable i always am fascinated by the fact that many of these ambassador programs are self sustainable meaning you as a leader start but it will go on without even your involvement right that's like to me that's like the successful uh, metric for a for a program any program so any 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 specific advice in terms of making mistakes avoid these and build like a self sustainable ambassador program yeah i think the one of the biggest mistakes that i've seen and been behind myself i've had this experience is having unclear how do i say this like unclear terms where it ends like this ambassadorship that just never ends uh mm. we were really i mean i think it was a very good strategy at yelp to have an annual program so you were an elite uh, for a year and if it was work it's got to work for both sides i think that that's right. the most important thing and oftentimes you'll have an ambassador um but it there's one side that it's not working for maybe that ambassador thought it was going to be something else and you know mm. it's just not something it's not a priority and that's super fine um but it's when you have many of those cases and you multiply that and then you've got a community of ambassadors with uncertain terms that mean that these ambassadors would carry on in the future and right. if you want to have a truly engaged community you need to have engaged people and the more disengaged people you have the weaker it, it makes that community so mm. that's something that I've always recommended is just making sure that it's an annual program, make sure it's a win-win for both sides and then continue it, you know, again for the next year um as long as everything aligns. So, yeah, I think just making sure that it's a it's got an end date, a start and an end date and um and there's opportunities and and clear expectations and benefits that those ambassadors are going to be getting. Um yeah. and how do you uh, say for example so i think i saw this uh, scenario where some of these ambassadors can get cold you know for for whatever reason like due to more motivation or like due to incentive how do you bring them back is and they're they're true but they have true potential to actually like succeed you know if, if you like kind of lead them in the right way as a leader uh, what are some um uh, steps to be taken like you know to keep the ambassadors intact in the journey of uh, building like a community um first question i would ask is do you want to do this like it's free will so i think it's important to make sure that the ambassador is like into it and if the answer is like yes then where is the breakdown happening is it you need more support um just getting a better understanding of what's going on um mm. beyond the surface is the first step and then mm. certainly having like i at camba we have a really we've recently shaped reshaped the it's they're called canvassadors we've recently reshaped the program where yeah i love that program canvassers yeah. you know this this is a a term of contention some people love it other people are like this doesn't work so i'm glad you like it <laughs> uh so we originally this program was running very differently depending on what country you were in 
uh, what community you were a part of. It was inconsistent, but they were all still Canva Canvassadors. So imagine the confusion if Canvassador A and Canvassador B have totally different set of expectations and benefits and terms mm. uh, that would lead to a lot of confusion. So what we what we did back in March is we brought in all of the experiences, the, the we audited the entire experience and the flow of, of our Canvassador program and then centralized it in a way that uh, now from like the global level, we're able to see who are our Canvassadors in each market for our different audiences. And by that, I mean like, there's Canva for education. So we have education canvassadors who are teachers. We have right. creators that are designers and we have canvassadors for that program as well. So yeah. making sure that you've got um, alignment across the program, if you're operating this program in many different markets um, mm -hmm. or across many different segments, and then having it semi-automated from the central level so that you can then scale it and properly support the ambassadors. So one mm -hmm. one thing that we offer them is a Discord channel that they're all um, now a part of, and every country, every segment that they represent, they're able to talk to other ambassadors that are potentially from the same country or focusing mm -hmm. on the same audience. Um, yeah. And uh, what are, what are, what are, what are some things that are exciting you these days at Canva? You've, there are so many like community there, there's a creator program that you run. Uh, there are like so many different of things, you know, it's such a big community. It grows day by day. What excites yeah. you these days? Right now it's AI. I'm loving it. Like I just it's... love everything that AI represents and what the features that we're developing at Canva, I think are super fun for our community. So just seeing how it's, it's a pivotal moment. We all know that with AI and how it's going to shape our future world. Mm -hmm. So what's been super interesting for me, just from my own curiosity is how people are engaging with the different uh, tools that we're developing, the different features and, right. you know, getting to see the way that they're, <laughs> they're using the text to image function to create presentations or um, different designs that now before it might've taken them 10 minutes and now it takes them 30 seconds to design something. Not like 10 minutes was that long, but still it's, it's just crazy and mind blowing to me that this is now um, possible for them. So yeah, all the, all the AI stuff that is on the horizon and in development, I think is super exciting. And you said one of the things in the beginning, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, this ride is this wave is like super super high you know everybody's like you know i'm as as a matter of fact i'm building like on the side a side project in in the ai space like for content creators who write uh or tweets or like blog posts so uh but it, yeah during your in in the first beginning of the conversation you said you're a problem solver as a problem solver you like the yelp story right like pour tequila mm -hmm. without the glass what is the current problem you're solving at Canva that you're like, okay, this is really challenging at the same time. It's actually, you know, making me creative beat community beat like anything that, you know, marketing because you're a global community head. So you deal with content community creators, like so many other pieces. Yeah. What is a so, very interesting problem that you're having right now? Yeah. Right now, let me think about this. I think 
there's a few things that we're developing across the community team that I'm excited about that mm -hmm. I don't see them so much as problems as like these cool opportunities that we're diving into. Like one of those is our advocacy program. So I mentioned Canvassadors. So we have um, Canvassadors experts and we also now work with uh, content creators who are, you know, influential. They're maybe on TikTok or YouTube. And so we're developing our networks around these different groups. So the advocacy mm. stuff, I think, is frankly, like the future of community building, because I'm a true believer in that snowflake model and like extending your network through your strongest advocates. So for me, it, it goes back to that one thing approach, like what what is the thing that I need to do at Yelp? It was mm. like, let me find the coolest venues at Canva. It's like, let me find the strongest advocates. And if I can find the strongest advocates there, I just need to take care of them. Like I need to make sure that we nurture those relationships, bring them into the fold, make them feel like they're really supported and empowered by Canva. So part of it is understanding what can I do that feels above and beyond for this group of people that makes it so that they're excited to continue promoting Yelp, uh, sorry, not Yelp, but Canva to their networks. And I think that if, if you can solve for this one simple thing, everything else will grow around it. But in order mm -hmm. to grow this, this really strong network, you need to have a, some systems in place to manage the scale of it. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've been developing now, which is like, there's somebody on our, on our community team who's amazing at, he's super efficient and he loves automation and he's great with software, like different software that we're using. So um, he's been able to, to build this ecosystem internally right. that will support the scale of the advocacy programs. Um, so that's an opportunity that I, that I think is super exciting and one that if we can do this, it will amplify community in a way that is, um, that hasn't happened yet for, for Canva. Mm. Mm. Um, problem. I'm having a, I'm having a hard time thinking about an immediate problem that we're solving for. Um, I guess Honestly, it's the international um, nature of our business. I think that right. this is this is a challenge. It's not a problem because it's actually really right. exciting. I'm as somebody who is just naturally I don't know if naturally is a word, but interested. I'm super interested in these in how you can scale a high growth product across hundreds of markets, hundreds of languages. Uh, and have it still feel special and local and relevant. This is the biggest nut to, to crack for us. And anytime you are growing something internationally, it's a freaking challenge. Like yeah, there are so many local nuances that will get in the way of moving, being able to move quickly. Right. And there are over 3000 people who work at Canva today. This is a very big company. And so that in and of itself presents scaling challenges because wow. imagine like all the time zones and ability to communicate um, wow. org, org structures. It's, it's yeah. pretty crazy, but um, you know, Canva is quite an, you know, a well-known company and we, I would say that we have quite a lot figured out, 
but actually we're we're still developing the product and we're still developing our our growth across international markets so to me this is this is a big challenge for us um i think it's the next frontier for canva as we as we move into next year and making sure that we're um truly local that we feel right. like a truly local product in all of these markets and right. how can community support that local footprint which kind of goes back to yelp days because now we're local again yeah, so yeah, <laughs> we yeah, went yeah, from yeah. local I mean, to local yeah given like we are in a post covid way i feel like everybody's like meeting in real life so i think that that adds a lot of uh, fuel to it like you said it's absolutely true um uh, it's a good problem to have like you know it's not something that you <laughs> uh it's good problem to tackle and i love the the strategy i feel like the... i feel like you just asked me a job interview question like tell me your greatest weakness and it's like oh, i work man. too hard <laughs> no, no, that was a, that was not my intention uh last question before before we wrap up apart from the ai advancements uh what are some progressions or like what are some things that you're observing in the community space that are growing week to week month to month during this time uh, that you're like okay quite fascinated about yeah um niche communities i feel like this is now becoming more of a thing where mm. i'm seeing communities pop up for everything anything mm. that there's an interest around there's a community for it uh yeah. I think it was David Spinks who posted something on LinkedIn where it was like a community for people named Ryan. Yes. Which, they... <laughs> did you Come see on. that? This is super <laughs> funny. Funny. Like exactly that. That is what I find crazy and curious and wild yeah, about yes. community. Like and it seems <laughs> I don't know if that was a spoof or if that's real life, but if there's a community for Ryans, I know a few Ryans, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh love love that. Uh Monica, I appreciate you for all the insights, but uh any anything that you want to, you know, just any closing thoughts that you want to share before we wrap up? Um I don't I'll plug that I'm going to be attending CMX and giving a a talk there, so if any of my fellow community builders are going to be attending CMX, please find me. I would love to to meet fellow builders out there. um and attend my sessions so shameless plug i'll be talking about the intersection of uh community and creators and uh yeah i'll bring in some research and yeah nice. it'll be fun so come find me if you're attending cmx i love that and probably you know uh we can do like another episode just on the topic like you know on the talk how it went and you know expand the couple of topics on creators but uh again thank you so much uh for joining us today and like dropping so many gems i didn't accept the philosophical side which is which is something i love about community building uh very few people talk about it most people talk about the tactical side which are both are important i'm, I'm not saying anything i don't want to like get into a controversy here uh but yeah appreciate it. and i hope this conversation helped you guys like you know community builders in your journey as you as you progress Uh, but we are here to like help you and you know stay tuned for more episodes i have like some awesome guests like monica lined up for the rest of the season so uh, stay tuned guys and thanks again monica appreciate you and uh, cheers guys thanks sarah thanks everybody for listening <laughs>